Welcome to the latest episode of Cool Culture Corner, where we discuss ways how we can better involve our teams for better productivity, better profits, and growth. I'm your host for Cool Culture Corner, Ken Bader, and I have another awesome guest. I'm really looking forward to talking to this one. We have Dr. Sherry Prentice, uh, who has a number of acronyms behind her name. Look at this, MD, MPH, is that miles per hour? Um, CPS slash A, CPA, FACPE, CSP, WTF, I don't even know what the heck that means, but she is the queen she is the queen of Let Go and Live Every Day, which I understand is an acronym. She is a proven visionary, a best-selling author, and a highly sought-after physician leader. And God knows we need a doctor in more ways than one today. Uh, I could keep on reading, but you know what? I want to talk to Dr. Sherry. Sherry, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ken. And just a brief correction, it is Sherry. Sherry, sorry. You don't, you don't have to say it with the French. <laughs> you know what? I'm just, I had to get fancy. All of my guests that, that have an MD or PhD, I call them Doc anyway, so this will make it easy. I'll just call you Doc for the rest of the show. <laughs> oh, how sweet. <laughs> I am so happy to be a part of this show. You are fabulous, Ken. <laughs> Not as fabulous as you. You know, I, I got the distinct pleasure to meet you and, and to hear you pitch during the new media summit and the one thing that I remember more than anything and it made me go and, and get your media one sheet because I'm like I have to get this lady on the show is you talked about growing up on the south side of Chicago and something to the effect of you weren't going to take any crap and I grew up on the north side of Chicago we don't take any crap either so we're going to have one hell of a conversation here. Shy is in the house. The shy <laughs> is in the house. <laughs> All right. So we're going to talk about creating physical and emotional health and healing in the workplace, which we always needed. Uh, we need even more right now. But, but tell us a little bit about how you became the queen of let go and live every day. I know our audience really needs to hear that. Yes. You know, Ken, I have wanted to be a doctor ever since I was two years old. I never dreamed of being anything else. And so uh, being a black female born and raised on the south side of Chicago, my parents taught me, girl, you better get in there and you be twice as good uh, because you may end up with only half as much as your counterpart. And so I worked my butt off. I trained, I studied, I became a physician. I practiced for 16 years. I held significant roles, even in my residency, because I was moonlighting when I wasn't supposed to, but I had two <laughs> small children, so yeah. I did what I you had got, to you do. You gotta do what you gotta um, do, girl. <laughs> you gotta do what you gotta do. That's a shy thing, man. It's a shy thing. Yeah. Um, and so I was moonlighting and I've held medical director roles, even in my residency. And I was blessed. I was doing my thing, man, right? And I'm, you know, married. I got my two kids. And then October 1st, 2008, everything changed. I found a mass in my right breast and it was cancer. And I underwent a partial mastectomy, 15 rounds of chemotherapy, 33 treatments of radiation. And I only missed three days of work. And actually at the time when I was going through chemo, that was when the swine flu or H1N1. Remember yeah. when that came out? That was when that pandemic was out. Yeah. And because I'm board certified in occupational and environmental medicine, I had employers 
contacting me like crazy, trying to come up with emergency preparedness programs so that they could keep their employees safe. Right. And here it is, I'm in chemo, immunocompromised myself, and now I'm the population that needs to be protected, but I had to figure out a way to protect everyone else while protecting myself as well. Um, but a year later, lymphedema set in. And the lymphedema, which is, uh, causes swelling uh, when your lymph nodes don't work well, lymphedema knocked out my right arm, hand, and fingers. And I was, uh, since I'm right-handed, I couldn't practice clinical medicine anymore. Yeah. And so after 16 years, my lifelong dream was just stripped. It was stripped it, overnight. I, just, I went to see my breast surgeon. Uh, she looked at my arm. We needed to rule out whether or not there was a recurrent. Uh, there wasn't. It, it was lymphedema. But here was the terms that I heard. It's just lymphedema. Oh, it's just lymphedema. And, you know, when you battle breast cancer and you hear that it's not a recurrence, you're happy about that. Yeah. But what I came to learn is that it's not just lymphedema. Lymphedema changed my entire life. Yeah. And so I realized that there were physicians and other people out there who didn't appreciate this disease. And for me, I now had to figure out what I was going to do with my life. Now I'm divorced. I got two kids. I'm, I can't do clinical practice. I got to wear these compression garments 24 seven. What do I do? I didn't know how to be anything else but a physician. And I went through a couple of uh, months of trying to figure stuff out. I went through four months of physical therapy, trying to get the swelling down. Yeah. And then the process of me trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life, I, I realized um, that one, I had a big mouth. Two, <laughs> I didn't mind talking. Something <laughs> else three, we have in common. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so I was trying to figure out how can I use what I still have? instead of focusing on what I lost in order for me to move forward with my life. Yeah. And hence, during that process is how I came up with my blueprint of how to let go and live today and every day. And for me, that live in that whole process of trying to reevaluate what I was going to do with my life, uh, I really heard the voice of God, just a small, quiet voice saying, Sheree, I want you to live. And I was very confused because I thought I didn't come through my diagnosis. I am living. Mm -hmm. What more can I do? I thought this is what I was doing, but I realized, Ken, yeah. that previously I had, I had been existing. I wasn't living. And living now became for me the acronym, and it stands for love myself and others, inspire those around me, voice my dreams and ambitions, and finally to enjoy life. How could I do that with what I still had, letting go of what I didn't so that I can now journey and create a new vision for my life and help other, other individuals journey down a path that wasn't nearly as long, as hard, and as painful? Yeah. And that's how I ended up with where I'm at now. Yeah. Awesome story uh, on so many levels. Um, yeah, I, I'm certainly, I personally have never had cancer, but, um, we, uh, my wife and I lost a, uh, a very valuable member of, of our family, uh, our sister-in-law about a year and a half ago. And she fought for years and years and years and she never, she never complained. Um, and much like your story with the H1N1, 
Um, she worked at Home Depot when there was work that needed to be done. Um, so unless, you know, she really, really needed to be at home or in a hospital, uh, she would go to work with a smile on her face. And she found a lot of value in that and that, hey, you know, I'm good enough to go to work. I'm going to work. You know, I'm adding value to my community. Um, and I think actually that attitude and continuing that that process uh, allowed her to stay with us a lot longer than the doctors had had originally uh, had had mentioned that she would. So uh, I, I appreciate that you've come out the other side and that uh, you're a cancer survivor that's sharing so many great things with us. Um, and yeah, let's let's go back to. There was another point that I was going to make, and it was actually going to be kind of humorous, so I'll try to come back to it later on, but it's, it's, it's escaped me at the moment. Um, but, uh, oh, I remember exactly what I was going to say. Uh, and it actually wasn't funny. It was inspirational. Usually I'm only telling funny stories and not inspirational. But you know, at the time of taping this, we're, we're right in the heart of the coronavirus pandemic, which you, you kind of referred to in, in your story. And you know, I find, too, that many times you know, I have a habit of going into a dark place. And it's very easy, unfortunately, with, with a lot of things, a lot of our freedoms, rightfully so, being taken away from us so that we can save lives, which I completely understand uh, mentally and intellectually, sometimes emotionally. Like, I can't go to the beach. I live in Long Beach, California. What do you mean I can't go to the beach? Um, but one of the things that I find, which, which I think is why your story is so inspirational, um, is you, know, you hear about people that, that really do have a hardship. You know, the only hardship I have is I have to work from home, you know, big deal. Um, but people that really, really do have a hardship. And the other day, I was kind of in a dark place. I was watching the news, which frankly isn't always a good thing lately. <laughs> but they showed about 230 healthcare workers from states, from all over the country that were on a plane flying to New York into a hot zone. New York. Yeah, flying yes. into a hot zone to help right. all of the healthcare professionals in the worst hit area of our country. And I watched that and I literally slapped myself mentally. So what are you, what are you complaining about? You know, get back on the Zoom, do more presentations and podcasts and interviews like this that are going to be inspirational for people. Get off your ass, do that, because that's something mm -hmm. you can do, because these people are going into a hot zone. All you're doing is staying at home and doing interviews, so go ahead and do it. So I find your story Correct. to be really, really inspirational, and I think we really need to hear that right now. Perspective is so important. And if you, you can't really affect when thoughts pop into your head, yeah. right? Uh, just like emotions can overtake you, you just wonder, well, where did that come from? Or thought may come into your head, like, whoa, where did that come from? But what you do have control over is where you choose to dwell. Right. So just because a negative thought popped into your mind doesn't mean now you can consciously choose not to dwell there. Yeah. Um, and to me, I call that a, a shifting in your vision and your perspective and focus. You don't have to dwell there. Don't beat yourself up that the emotion came. Don't beat yourself up that you had that thought. Just take control and don't dwell there. Yeah. 
And my process through what I went through, I had to learn not to dwell there because, you know, I was a successful doc. I had my hands in a number of different things. I'm, I was willing and dealing and doing my thing. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> you transition from, you know, d- divorce. My mom died while I'm going through chemo. So now I help out with my dad and I'm, I'm moving through it. I'm going through it. And then all of a sudden to, to just kind of have the carpet you know, rip right up under your feet. Yeah. It it knocked me down and it threw me for a loop. And I had to allow myself to have that moment. And and so many times people don't allow themselves to have that moment when you've been strong and moving through so many things. You 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 kind of think in your mind, well, I should just pick myself back up. Just boom, just go ahead and do it. But there are moments in your life where you need to allow yourself to have that moment. Allow yourself yeah. to grieve that loss. But then don't stay there. Yep. Now a word from our sponsor, Beta Training and Consulting. Do you have a specific brand, culture, or strategy problem in your business? Maybe you know something's wrong, but you don't necessarily know exactly what the problem is. Well, BTC offers periodically 15-minute free strategy sessions. They're completely complimentary. We give you a tip that you can implement in your business that's going to help your brand, culture, or strategy in that 15-minute call. And it's not a 15-minute sales call. It is a deep dive into a specific issue that you may be having at your unique business. To schedule a 15-minute strategy session, go to www.btcinc.net and go to the Contact Us page. Simply put in your information, and in the comments, all you need to do is put strategy session, and we will contact you about scheduling your unique 15-minute strategy session to help your unique business. I completely agree with you, and, and as I tell even, even my clients, especially now in service-based uh, businesses, because they're all getting affected, whether it's a restaurant where there are people out of work and they're trying to survive through carryout, um, or even my banks and credit unions that are still working, but they're affected. Lobbies need to be closed. They need to find other ways to provide services. So everybody's being affected. And I tell them, you're going to feel how you're going to feel. You know, to, to say, hey, to say, I'm not scared or I'm not angry or I'm not upset actually makes it worse to embrace and say, all right, yeah, you know what? I'm scared. I don't know what's going to happen. But rather than dwell in that space, I'm going to realize it and I'm going to choose to, as you say, not dwell there and and do something else. And I think that that really applies well to workplace culture. Uh, Even before the pandemic, I think we had a habit of kind of dwelling in that space. I, I gave a story the other day on this podcast of um, I won't tell the whole thing again because, you know, everybody's listened to it already. They don't want to hear the same damn story each and every podcast. <laughs> but but I told the story of, of when I was in corporate life, CEOs uh, ticked me off, and I let that linger. I dwelled through that for weeks and months. And if I had just let that yeah. go, because I guarantee you, you know, the day after it happened, the CEO already forgot about it. Yeah, you know, I'm sure he doesn't know about it today. He doesn't even know that I'm telling this story still, you know, but I still dwelled on it. And I think that being able to let that go, understand it, let it go, and then move on in, in the business world and the culture 
you know, makes so much of a difference. Is that, am I on the right path there, Doc, or am I just completely off base? You are totally on the right path. One of the things that I do when I go in and I'm working with organizations and we really want to develop and create um, that physical and emotional well-being within the workplace, uh, it really starts with uh, working with your human capital and understanding and appreciating that life happened. Life happened before they got to work. Mm -hmm. They have their own family you know you you have your work family is as much a family as the for to a mother as the kids that she gave birth to and the husband and or partner that she's living with because the individuals that you are sharing space with for eight to ten hours a day five sometimes six days a week they become a family and unless the leaders of those organizations appreciate and create a culture of of inclusion, understanding, respect, um, things are going to fall apart. And you will will never be able to recoup from something like this, COVID-19 coming in uh, into your environment because you haven't learned how to shift. And so when you're dealing with human capital, let's say in the best of circumstances, it is important as the leaders to understand uh, the intricacies of the human capital that report to you, that are under your purview, whether or not you have five employees or you have 500. Uh, I have worked with Fortune 500 companies, Fortune 100 companies, and you'd be surprised at how many individuals in the C-suite could not even give you an, a, an, an understanding of a breakdown of the demographics of their employees. Mm-hmm. And it's more than just understanding that, oh, there, we have 800 employees um, and we're located, we have offices in three states. I'm talking about understanding how many men, how many women, just doing a report on your healthcare claims to understand where they are. Do you have programs in place, wellness programs in place to address the key issues that your claims data is telling you that your population of workers are dealing with? Um, when you develop programs and develop opportunities, team building opportunities that address the needs of the individuals that work for you, that's when you can really begin to affect how they uh, live physically. You'll Mm -hmm. be able to see a decrease in certain of your claims because you'll understand what you're dealing with. I I had people in in, uh, CIO, CFOs, chief safety officers didn't have a clue that more than 80% of their employees uh, were living with diabetes. Mm. They, they never looked at their claims data. Yeah. And so even though I know that we have overall financial goals, and so if you remain in the black, you think things are good. But when things are happening to people and insults like a, a pandemic or insults like uh, you need to change your processes because a chemical that you use to make a certain color of paint has now shifted and now you have to shift your workers. If you don't understand your population, then at times you may be putting them at greater risk because you don't understand and know their baseline. And so when you take the time to get to know them, when you take the time to do simple things, uh, proposing uh, wellness programs that may address 
smoking cessation, diabetes, hypertension, cancer, uh, doing something for co-survivors at your facility, doing things like that now builds them up physically. Now they feel more vested in your organization. And now you can create those team building opportunities to address their emotional health because mm -hmm. life is happening and you have the expectation that they're gonna be able to come into your workplace and be present. But if you don't have the resources and life happened to them before they walked into the door, they may be physically there, mm -hmm. but presenteeism, meaning yeah. really being there and able to do their job, there will be a disconnect. Yep, that is, that is one of the top 10 um, points, subjects, whatever you want to call it, that I have ever heard on any of my shows uh, from our guests, because I never even thought I'm a, I'm a culture guy, you know, I'm all about team building and morale. And, and I truly believe that it's almost impossible to create a positive customer experience if you haven't created a positive employee experience. But I never thought about really drilling down into what are the claims? You know, what are, what are the demographics of our employees? Um, and it just shows, you know, my ignorance, not stupidity because I realized it, but my, but my ignorance, you know, people think that stupidity and ignorance are synonyms and they're not. They're you know? very different. Exactly. Different. I, was, I was ignorant to the fact of what you just talked about and now I'm not because uh, you know, that was on point because I see so many times and I advocate this as well, from a marketing perspective, we're so big on data and demographics of our customers, of our prospects, and really, really digging into that. I had never thought or heard about the idea of really digging into you know, a just as important sector of stakeholders of your employees. And you know, I, I, I think of you know, a number of businesses, even from the 90s, Baxter Credit Union, Marriott International, that both said in some way, shape, or form, if you take care of your employees, they're going to take care of your customers. You don't, as a, as a CEO and C-level person, you, know, you don't have to worry as much about taking care of your customers. If you've taken care of your employees so well and they get it, they're naturally going to take care of your customers. Um, and I think that that is an awesome example of digging into the demographics of your employee base because that is going to pay off dividends. That's that's worth the price of this show right there, and it's a free show. <laughs> <laughs> and you you know because what happened is is that so many times the C suite can can get lost in I'm taking care of my employees because uh, our salaries. And even with the hourly employees, we're right there. We're either right there, we've done the benchmark, so we're paying them what they need to be paid or giving them a little bit more. They may have developed a, a proper bonus structure and profit sharing. Money is great, but lifestyle, especially with this aging workforce that we're yeah. dealing with, that is key because there are certain things that no matter how much money you give me, is not going to help. So if I'm in the hospital because I have congestive heart failure and I've been battling with high blood pressure, I had a stroke, um, you know, I'm, I'm working my tail off, I'm not missing any days, and now I'm, I'm, I'm in the hospital and I'm, I'm hooked up and I'm getting treated, 
well, yes, I'm, I'm grateful that this, my check is coming in. I'm grateful that I have right. short-term disability and all that's great. But how, how much more special and how much more blessed would it have been if you would have taken the time to look at just some claims data, getting an idea, mm -hmm. and develop and incorporated a wellness program that was focused on cardiovascular health. Mm -hmm. Imagine if you could have prevented that individual from being in the hospital right. with CHF. And, and just letting your employees know that you're thinking about things, maybe even when they're armed. You know, their doctor is telling them to take this high blood pressure medicine and they're just being diligent in that. Mm -hmm. But imagine if you now get an, an email notification coming from the C-suite or coming from the chief medical officer uh, or HR, whoever you have designated and, and stating, you know what guys, we took a deep dive and we just looked at the health of our, of our populace. And we've discovered that we have a high percentage of cancers, we have a high percentage of diabetes, and we have a high percentage uh, of cardiovascular conditions. And therefore, uh, we've We've um, yeah, brought in some individuals that's going to do some training so that we can get some nutritional training. Uh, these are all optionals, but these will be available during your normal lunch hour. I mean, little simple things like that, that now it will open up a door for communication. One, that person can now have greater information that they now can take back to their physician because they're saying, I'm now participating mm -hmm. in this program offered to me by my employer, and I'm noticing a difference in my blood pressure monitoring and what have you. So one, now they become more active in their own care because mm -hmm. their employer brought it up, not right. their doctor, their employer. Imagine how much more dedicated that employee is going to be with that company. Just imagine, and it's simple things like that. I'm not suggesting that people in the C-suite um, or even individuals that are at the VP level or director level go nitty nitty gritty. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying, do some basic reports, make up in your mind that every year we will introduce one or two new programs that would benefit the health and emotional status of our workforce. And we're going to do this as a team, but we need to drill down and figure out what we're working with. And then we need to investigate our options. Wouldn't you love to work for an employer that did that for you? I want to work for an employer that would do that for me right now. You know, I'll shut down Bader yes. training and consulting. I'll go, I'll go freaking work for them right now. Uh, but yeah, so many, so many great points there. And if you're, if you're truly concentrating on your employee to that level, you know, I think of, you know, all those semi-sick days. You know, they're not even, you know, you went way beyond that, which I completely agree with and I love is that if you have a high rate of diabetes, if you have a high rate of heart disease, if you could see that, you could certainly uh, cater and taper your way of approaching employees. Like, for instance, if you do have 80% of your employee base that are diabetic, you probably don't want to bring Dunkin' Donuts in all the time for the for the all-staff meeting. You know, maybe say, you know what, we're going to cater some, you know, some eggs and some other stuff in there, you know, because we need protein. And, you know, not only that, even if you don't have diabetes, do you really want to give people carbs and sugar in the morning so they crash and, you know, so on and so forth? But, Here you uh, go. but, you know, even on a lesser level, you know, to have that kind of attention towards your employee, because you and I know that there are a lot of semi-sick days. 
where you're like, okay, you don't have a fever, you know, you're not, you're not necessarily contagious or anything like that. Cause if you are, you should stay the hell at home. But you know, okay. if, you know, you're just, you know, it's a mental health thing. Oh, I'm not quite feeling up to it today. I don't know what it is. Yeah. I got the PTO. I'm going to call in today. You know, where, you know, if you, if you don't think that your employee or employer is really going that extra mile, like, ah, screw it. You know, I got the time. I'm going to take it. But when you do have an employer that's going the extra mile and you're not contagious, you know, you don't have a real serious ailment, and you say, you know what? I'm working today. I'm going in. Or if you're working from home, you're not going to take that PTO. You're actually going to work from home and not just play with your pets or your kids. So let's get to the main crux, which is your expertise of creating physical and emotional health and healing. What are the top two or three ideas where businesses can truly create that um, in their workplace culture? Okay, well, I think the first one uh, would be doing what I previously mentioned. One, purposing um, in your mind at individuals that are in a decision-making capacity that this is something that you want and this is something that you need. And I say it in that order because obviously in doing, in creating physical and emotional well-being in workplace, it will come, most opportunities for you to make a change will come with some price connected to it, right? Whether or not you're bringing in individuals that are going to come in and do some training, or you're going to offer a wellness program or certain incentives for participation, it will come with the price. And the one thing that I have found in my professional development, because certainly most physicians don't know this because we're clinically focused. I had to trained myself and went on to become a certified physician executive. One of the things that I've I noted in uh, educating myself about sales and marketing and advertising is that people are more price sensitive over things that they need rather than the things they want. Um, for example, I, I tell a story uh, where there's a, a, a couple who live only a, a quarter of a mile from a grocery store, and that's where they go and do their grocery shopping all the time. Mm. But when it comes to getting lettuce, this particular woman will drive three miles out of her <laughs> way to Walmart, I promise you, because the lettuce, the heads of lettuce there are cheaper. They're 50 cents cheaper. She will drive three miles out of her way for, to save 50 cents. But in that drive coming back home, she stopped at Starbucks and bought a $5 coffee. Yeah. Hmm. So she wanted to save the 50 cents over something she needed, but didn't mind spending the $5 over what she wanted. And so what is important for uh, the leaders that are in a decision-making capacity within an organization, it, coming in and showing them that this is something that they want because without your human capital, your organization means the zilch until every leader in the organization appreciates that they will not be successful without their human capital. Even as a sole proprietor, if you don't take care of you, it's kaputs, yeah. right? So imploring and, and acknowledging and setting, the, setting up the table, if you will, to have individuals in a decision-making capacity to appreciate that this is something that they want. That's number one. Number two is doing a simple uh, dive into 
your uh, workplace demographics. Mm -hmm. You will not know what your uh, employees need until you determine who they are. And so if there is no connect between you and your HR director, something is amiss because that HR director, he or she should have the knowledge where they're able to recant to you, okay, we have this many employees, male, female, age range is this. Yes, let me pull some help uh, data. And then let's take a look over programs that we've had in the past, if they have, how well did they work? Did they just drop off because they didn't work or did they drop off because we didn't have someone to supervise and ensure that it was being executed properly or as it was initially intended? So that's number two, understand your demographics and evaluate what has been done in the, in the past, what worked, what didn't. And if nothing was done in the past, you're gonna start fresh by understanding the demographics of your workforce mm -hmm in order for you to determine what would be the best approach, what is going to be the lowest hanging fruit that we can get, understanding that price sensitivity now, understanding that it's going to come with a price, what can we do that will give us the biggest bang for the cheapest buck initially, but it will start and form this engagement now between the employee and the employer. Right. And then the last thing, number three, if you institute change, follow up. Don't have the expectation that making this announcement that we're offering this and initially having that excitement and getting individuals enrolled, that it stops there. You need to have someone that is overseeing this new project because instituting this is a project. This is something that is going to be on an ongoing basis because what was uh, purposeful for me to introduce into my workforce in 2020 is going to look very different in 2021. Why? Life happened. Yep. COVID-19, I can tell you whatever programs, though, those employers that were already on the, on the ball, already had some programs in place, this life happened. And so they've had to shift. And if they didn't shift, shame on them. If they need help, they need to contact me. But there should be a shift, right? right. Yeah. There should be a shift. And so you, you analyze it. If it's going good, if your claims data comes down, but it's not down as much, well, this one will continue here. We'll pull back here and we'll do something and institute something new based upon the new data that I have in front of me. And so you must maintain that follow through. And if you feel like the individuals that you have internally can't properly do the follow through, then it is worth it. I can assure you it is worth it to you and your human capital. Get someone from the outside to oversee it because without wow. them, you will not succeed. Wow. Those, those are three awesome points, Doc. Um, yeah, it, part of it reminds me of uh, a guest that we've had on this podcast before, uh, Marcus Bird, where we talked about making shift happen. Um, it, and, sh and shift, <laughs> more than shift, I, I could take out the F, uh, has happened right now. And whether we like it or not, you know, we, we do need to shift. And what you've laid out for us on this show is in perfect alignment with what I keep saying in terms of, of culture this last couple of years, and especially now, 
is we've got to go from communication to engagement to true involvement. Engagement just isn't enough anymore to you know, do a kumbaya and say, we're all going to have a picnic together. You need to have involvement. And yeah, I never really thought about it until I had the pleasure of having you on this show, is involvement also means the, the C-level, the, the management level, really getting into the nit and gritty of who your employees are so that you can take care of them so they could take care of your, your customers. Great, great points, Doc. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on this show. And one last question for all the folks in our audience that, that want to connect with you and need more of your brilliance, how best can they find you? Oh, the best way to find me uh, is to go out to my website at drsheriemd.com. That's D-R-S-H-E-R-I-M-D.com. You can check me out there and it has a contact form, or you can send me an email at drsheree, I'm sorry, yeah, at drsheree, at drsheremd.com. I was like, wait a minute, that's too many ads, but I was correct. Drsheree, D-R-S-H-E-R-I at drsheremd.com and uh, your your listeners will have an opportunity hopefully within the next four weeks. Ken, I'm getting ready to launch my new podcast. Awesome. And uh, yes, it's uh, it's entitled Where Medicine Meets Ministry. Dr. Sheree huh. Talks Faith and Facts. Terrific. I'm yeah, really so. looking I'm really looking forward to that. I definitely need more ministry in my life. Uh, and I'm sure much of our audience <laughs> does too. Uh, but of course, we will, we will have all the info that you just shared uh, with, uh, with the necessary ats um, in the show notes so people can connect with you. Uh, thank you for being such an awesome guest and giving us some really wise advice and tips uh, on Cool Culture Corner today. Thank you, Ken. Cool Culture Corner has it going on. (laughs) I may save that sound bite for a commercial. (laughs) (laughs) Doc, the pleasure's been all mine. (laughs) The pleasure's been all mine. (laughs) Thank you to all everybody in our audience for being with us today. And as always, here's hoping that you have a Cool Culture Corner at your unique business. Take care.